The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your recap episode for this week's Val Spar Championship. Joining me to break it all down, Greg Ducharme is here. Hello, Greg. What's going on, boys? Um, only one thing to say. Uh, what a week. What a, what a week, baby. Although I think I should really um, adjust it. It, it, what a, what a day. That was really a compelling finish to that golf tournament, and I did not see it going the, the way it went. That was kind of kind of wild everybody had a really big moment in this tournament and uh some handled it and most didn't i like how greg avoided the spoiler there people get very upset if you spoil the winner 60 seconds in you have to wait a couple minutes before you spoil the winner kyle porter is here kp we usually go live when the final putt drops we went live when the final putts missed on 18 today we did. By the way, if you're watching a daily golf <laughs> podcast and you don't know who won the Valspar, then I've got some other questions. Um, yeah, it was a weird... I mean, the Spieth experience is always just weird as hell. And today was kind of no different from normal, I would say. So, ton to talk about. Spieth might be back, depending on the hole. Who knows? We've got a guest in a couple weeks. we got match play. Shank unbelievable last few holes there's yeah we haven't mentioned the winner yet no we have not we'll see how long that can last early round movers setting the table for the day greg evr eric van royen goes out shoots a 67 to move up 35 spots he ends up finishing in a tie for 10th and after a long i would call it a slump we are seeing some improved play from EVR. He had the T6 at the American Express, the T50 in Phoenix. He had a 32nd place finish at Puerto Rico. And now he's trying to get things going in the right direction again. And he played some really nice golf this week. He, he, looked, um, he looked really nice, especially T to green. He was one of only three players this week to hit 50 greens of regulation. He actually led the field hitting 51 which uh, on a golf course like this, you could see how difficult it was to get the ball on the green at regulation. Uh, and, and, and he had some really, really solid iron play throughout the entire week. Um, but also what's important about this week for him and, and that green regulation number is it has a lot to do with your tee shots. 
um, which isn't always the case. This week it was. I mean, if you were coming out of the rough this week, it was very difficult to keep the ball on the green. And, uh, and, and he put the ball in the fairway quite a bit, uh, enough to hit that many greens. So, yeah, EVR, he's starting to, he's starting to swing really nice, and he's hitting it really well. EVR was tapping in on 18 as the leaders were getting off the first tee. Sam Burns, KP, going for not one, not two, but three consecutive Valspar championships. It's going to look pretty good. Solo six, thanks to a bogey-free 67 on Sunday. He moves up 19 spots, but in reality, I don't think Sam Burns ever really contended for this title. No, he didn't, but he's only lost to five guys over the last three years at this golf course, which is pretty pretty amazing i think the bigger thing for him you and i talked about this on thursday rick is figuring out driver he, he has not been good since where did his driver fail at riv i think that is that is correct and he goes miscut miscut uh t35 at the players last week so just getting back into that kind of top 20 top 10 uh part of the board where he he really should be especially at a place at a at a what at a lower event like Valspar is uh, is a good sign going into major season. Yeah, speaking of major season, uh, Sam Burns, Greg, not particularly great when it comes to major championships, at least at this point of his career. I think we've all, you know, we expect a lot more out of Sam Burns in 2023 and in 2022 as we did in 2021 and 2020. So th- th- he's got to get right because this is kind of a, an important stretch for him. Yeah, um, you know, those... Um those two years where he played really well, he happened to win the Valspar in both of those. He made some really big improvements in his game. Um, was always a, a really nice putter on the PGA Tour and drove the ball really nicely for most of the early stages of his career. Uh, but when he improved his iron play, he kind of accelerated to become a you know U.S. national team player, uh, a, a one of those guys that you would expect to contend in majors. And it was looking like the next step for him was kind of similar to a Max Homa where you're, you're really impressed with what he does in, um, you know, regular PGA tour events, but you haven't seen the performance in the big ones, not in the major championships. And we're still waiting for that, but it seems like he took a a step back for sure. And and we're kind of waiting to see where Sam Burns is. So um, I I don't think there's a lot of pressure on him heading into the majors uh, right now. I, I think this is still a question of where is his game? And if he if he shows us another week like this, or if he plays really well at the match play or something, that pressure may increase a little bit. But um, but I'm looking to I'm looking for Sam Burns to get back to Sam Burns form of two years ago. Sam Burns best major championship finish. Anyone want to take a stab at that? Uh, th- oh, what is it? What is it? That is the question. I'll say it's not good. Did, I, it, it, I it would be, be good using him with someone else. Does he have a good T13? for me. He does not have a T13. <laughs> okay. What a, what a, that must be, a, like, that must be um, Max Homa or somebody. That sounds right for Homa. Uh, hold on. Burns was, let's say, last year's PGA. Okay. Last year's PGA. You want to take a stab? That, that is correct, by the way. Do you want to take a stab at what that finish was? It's like T21. Oh, sorry. It's the Moops. No, 20th by himself. 20th by himself. Sam Burns, pretty good. Comment. That was a pretty good guess, yeah, Greg. Really, yeah, really good guess. 
Are you no, kidding me? I'm proud of you guys. Uh, <laughs> seven. He has played seven. Wait, why does Greg get credit for that? For my guess, Greg's a nice guy. Greg, Greg <laughs> greased it for you know. Greg loosened loosened the jar. You just came in and opened it up. No, that for was sure. a, he, that was he, your he, guess. He, I was he, I was commenting on your guess. Not <laughs> he eliminated Max Homa. He really greased the skids for me there. <laughs> yeah. So this is a little bit of wonky data because like you have to calculate it yourself and all that fun stuff, but it's generally pr pretty widely accepted. But Sam Burns has never lost strokes putting in a major, which is kind of a little fun stat. We'll keep an eye on moving into this year. Okay. Let's talk some contenders. First of all, hold on. How dumb is it that we have to like figure out our own strokes and putting at majors? Uh, I don't know. It's d very dumb. Imagine that would be that would be saying that would be saying, uh, hey, how many passing yards and touchdowns does Tom Brady have in his Super Bowl career? And we you go, do, you do the math. I don't know. You can, I mean, if you've got a supercomputer and Bryson's sitting next to you, maybe you can figure it out. Look, the data's right there. Get out your calculator if you want to know. Put in the work. It's wild, absolutely wild. Contenders, Tommy Ladd. Looking for, mm. yeah, his very first PGA Tour victory. It was a one under 70. Birdie's the first hole, Greg. We're thinking maybe it's Tommy's day. Gives it back on number three. Goes out in one under. The real debacle here, in my opinion, is what happens at 14. His second shot into the left greenside bunker. It is in a horrible kind of downhill lie. He has to stand in an awkward position. He leaves it in said bunker. He ends up making bogey and plays his final seven holes at one over to finish two shots off of the yet-to-be-mentioned champion. Uh, I will not mention the champion, but we did talk about Tommy Fleetwood taking 10 under last night. Um, and, and that's, that's right. That's the number that we thought he needed. And there's some truth. I mean, it would have gotten him into a playoff and I don't think that 10 under was out of the realm of possibility for Tommy today. Um, he did exactly what he needed to do most of the round. I mean, even he, he didn't really have his best stuff this week. He, he had a little case of the lefts going today off the tee. Um, some, some shots were overdrawn on him. He made some swings he didn't like. But he wasn't putting himself in terrible positions until 14. And on 14, he misses his second shot left. And it leaves that that lie was not a traditional downhill lie. It, it looked, at least on the telecast, like the bank was very steep, um, just entering into the bunker and then kind of flattened out. And his ball was sitting like right in the corner, which was just a it, it's a terrible place to be. It's one of those shots that's you don't really know how to play it. I mean, it's almost like uh, I'll foreshadow something. It's almost like you're up against a tree. You don't know mm -hmm. how to really get your club on the ball. So that was disappointing. It just seems like there are always these moments for him where it all comes down to one shot. And that one shot has not gone his way on the PGA Tour at all. Um, perhaps he's a little bit tentative. Maybe it was it the, was the next hole to par three where he hit nine iron, um, probably should have hit wedge, hit it like 25 feet over the flag stick, which was a beautiful shot, but 
is that a little conservative with his club selection? I, I, I just wonder sometimes if, um, you know, when is Tommy Fleetwood going to handle one of these really big moments? Cause you can see that he's capable. And, and this is the kind of a, this was exactly the kind of a event that I would expect Tommy to get his first PGA tour win in. And, um, the moment went the other way for him. Well, I think, I think what's interesting, I'll jump in here real quick, uh, Rick. So I looked, I looked this up. Data golf has a, has a, pre- it's called a pressure, pressure, pressure tool, uh, where it shows like how players perform when they enter the final round of an event globally, not just PGA tour, but in the top, you, you can set it to whatever you want. Top two, top five, top 10, whatever. So I look for Fleetwood in over the course of his career. How does he perform when he enters the final round in the top five of a tournament? And it's not great if you look at sort of him compared to other big names. So he gains about a half stroke on the field when he's in that scenario, which sounds fine. But the problem is, unless you're like way out in front, entering the final round, you're not going to, you're not going to win the tournament that way, you know? And, and that's an average. It's not, that's there. Obviously he's won tournaments. He's gained five strokes in the final round of an event or whatever. But if you look at it on the, like on the whole compared to, I don't know, other guys that are sort of in his demographic, I would say it's not very good. So he, he's a half stroke. Spieth is only about 0.8 strokes when he enters the, the final round in the top five. This is true strokes gain. So this is like adjusted to how good the field is. Uh, Ricky Fowler is actually 0.9. So he's ahead of Spieth. JT is 1.4. You start getting into Rory and DJ are 1.8. John Rahm, 1.9. Tony Finau. 1.9. How about that? Yeah. And then Bryson is 2.0. So Fleetwood, and listen, I'm comparing him to like really good players, but I think it's I think it's a fair thing because I think he's a good player and he just hasn't really on the whole been that good in final rounds where he's kind of in contention. When you said Bryson is 2.0, is that Bryson 2.0 or Bryson 2.0 strokes gained, or is it the second version of Bryson? Mm-hmm. <laughs> have we looked at that have we we i'm sure we can go so what are the we got to do the deep dive of pre-bulk bryson post-bulk bryson bryson wins man him and him, i should have looked at max homo i'll look that up here in a second but when bryson's in it he wins golf tournaments now he finished t44 at live today so that's not good but uh i you know over the course of his career, he's proven that he wins golf tournaments. I don't know what's happened to him. Like, I, I don't know what's going on right now, but he's, is he in, he's in the masters, right? Yes. Yeah. From the U S open one. He's, yeah. he's got a, he's going to be a hundred to one. Uh, I actually think I saw that he might be longer than that. I was, I was shopping that earlier. I can, I can pull it up and we could, we could chat about it, but um, yes, he's the, the, the Bryson, <laughs> I don't know how we got to the Bryson downfall, but the Bryson downfall is pretty, pretty crazy stuff. Um, I'll pull up his number here, but Tommy Fleetwood finishes in a uh, two way tie for third. We'll get to that other guy here in just one second, but Adam Shank, Greg uh, tasked with essentially being in the mix all week long just having to sleep on it having to try to break through get across the finish line first per, first pga tour victory and i'll tell you what pretty valiant effort here goes out in 35 
uh, he drills a, I want to make sure I get the number right here, 71-foot, one-inch putt for birdie on number 12 uh, to, to keep him in this thing, to keep himself in the mix. And then we get a little bit of disaster on 18 where by the time he steps to 18, uh, a par will get him into a playoff with our eventual winner. And that left-handed shot breaks itself out. Yes. Um, this was something else. So I, before we get to the left-handed shot, uh, he was really calm today. He, I, I thought the, um, the chip in at number one was a huge moment for him. It kind of took this, um, you know, this final round event and get, gave him a, a really positive step in the right direction right away. And all of a sudden, instead of, you know, Spieth, catching him and tying the lead and it not, not feeling great after one, uh, he extends his lead to two shots, which was a, a big deal. And you could see it with him. It really calmed him down after his first round. Uh, I, I'm sorry. After the second round, he mentioned that he needed to clean up the ball striking a little bit. He was leaning a little too much on, uh, on the putter. And he really did that for most of for pretty much all of Saturday and Sunday, he was really good tee to green for the most part. Um, and then he added in some big kind of magical putts. You mentioned the one on 12, um, but he also, I mean, he made a big putt at nine from 23 feet. He made a big putt at 17, uh, you know, after hitting it in the bunker with his second shot there, that was a huge putt. So he, he hit the ball well enough to be there and he made the putts that, it, it felt like this was these were winning moments and there were probably three or four of them throughout the entire day today. And then he gets on 18 and hits a very similar shot to what Taylor Moore does, but his ball ends up right next to a tree. Uh, and that's just, that is the challenge and the difficulty when you play outside the bunkers. It's, it can be an, a big advantage when you miss big. Um, and it can also completely stymie you. So I just, I really felt for him that it ended up in that situation where he just had no play. So much so, Kyle, that uh, him and his caddy were actually debating whether it would be better to take an unplayable up against the tree and just <laughs> take your chances, or if he could turn the club around, nudge the ball anywhere, nudge it 10 feet, 20 feet kind of up in a similar position. The crazy part is he takes a pretty good hack at this. There you go. We're watching on YouTube. Oh, that's pretty good. Um, we're watching, we're, we're seeing it on YouTube here. He gets so much of this ball. He actually hits it through the fairway and into the opposite rough, giving him even a worse chance of getting up and down for part. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it was, it was probably a better chance than, cause he would have had to drop it uh like right there right like right like what like yes. one club length behind where he's standing right there yeah so i don't it wasn't i don't know that it was a worse chance but it, it wasn't it wasn't what he wanted i here's here's my thing with this rick i i was i was really impressed by his willingness to take this risk and Me too. keep the keep the win on the table because for somebody like adam shank finishing t2 in a non-elevated event is like it's like not nothing, you know, for, for Spieth, it's like, whatever, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. But for Shank, that's, that's a real thing. And he was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm going for it because 
how many times am I going to get this opportunity? You know, and and that's a it just it, that moment I think tells you a lot about what kind of golfer and maybe person I don't know that's probably taking it too far, but what kind of golfer that that player is. And he did it again on the green because the putty hit for par was going like off the green and it hit the, it hit the hole. It kind of hit the stick. And both of those were like the riskier, like, okay, I'm, I'm going for this type play. And I just, I thought that was impressive. It sucks the way it ended for him. He played, he kind of hung in with Spieth all day and kind of went at him a little bit and he hit a bunch of putts and, you know, it was, it was a fun, cool day, and it just ended in about as heartbreaking a fashion as it could have. Um, what, real quick on that, Kyle, it being not nothing, uh, coming in second or tied second, he was 72nd in the FedEx Cup coming into this. Top um, 70. And with this, top 70 is a big deal now, right? Top 50 is a big deal. He jumps to 31st. Um, but they've also, this has been discussed, it was discussed on the broadcast at length, uh, but since some of you didn't watch it on the broadcast and just get it all from watching the first cut, which I appreciate, <laughs> he is expecting a uh, a baby in April. So there may be a little bit of time off as well. And he doesn't know what these playing opportunities are going to be like after that. So uh, very, yeah. very curious. But but getting that big jump in the FedEx Cup, getting yourself into 31st, you got a little breathing room for making the playoffs and keeping your card. Um, you obviously have more breathing room if you win because uh, you get a two-year exemption. But it's, I mean, it's a big moment. Yeah, speaking of that <laughs> unknown schedule moving forward, this was week 10 in a row for Adam Shank. So take that, Sung J.M. <laughs> he, he always plays a lot too, by the way. Yeah, he does. He's a 30-plus 30, 30 kind of guy. Uh, I've got a couple of nuggets before we move on to Jordan Spieth. First of all, let's add uh, another voice here. Let's add Patrick McDonald. I've heard he's backstage. Patrick, hello, sir. What's going on, guys? 30-plus guys. Um, <laughs> that's you guys, right? Not me. Oh, wow. Just coming in hot. Yeah. Right. Ha- happy Sunday. <laughs> happy Sunday. Also, uh, to put a bow on Bryson's master's number, well – it's all over the place. Sports books like DraftKings and Caesars have met 55 to 1. That's Gentlemen, Bryson for, for the Masters? That is correct. However, if you are really digging Bryson, you should get on a plane and you should fly to Las Vegas because Circa is offering Bryson DeChambeau right now to win the Masters at 195 to 1. I would take that. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I can't. I'll, I'll put 10 bucks on it for you. I can't imagine a more preposterous Masters than Bryson winning. I mean, it would be just a complete circus. It'd be amazing, honestly. But he won the USO. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing, but the ta- the, the ability and the talent is there. I, I, it's probably a dumb bet, but. 195 to one on yeah. Bryson. Well, we're, we're in on it. You and me, we're in, we're in on it for 10 bucks. We're going to see if, uh, thanks, right? Yeah, no problem. See if Bryce What's it called? The pressure tool. Pressure. Pressure. You base it on the pressure tool. Yeah. He's, he's, he wins. I mean, I just need like, you know, 50 holes out of him. And if, if he's in it, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to be in contention. 
Hip-hop takes the stand in the new documentary As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Rap lyrics are playing an increasingly prominent role in criminal cases. Every song, every lyric, every video that you've ever been involved with, they're going to use against you. Follow rap artist Kemba as he explores the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system. This artistic expression is a confession. I'm ready. Roll the tape. Watch the eye-opening new documentary As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. New CBS Monday. Federal agents! Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. About to set it New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violin Island, you got it. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii, Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, Patrick, I, you're, we're, we're 22 minutes in yet. We have not yet said the name of the champion. You can uh, introduce him for us. Oh, oh boy. We're not quite we're not quite ready yet because we do have to talk about Jordan Speed. And oh, I'd like you to start the conversation here and what a day for Jordan. So, it felt like and correct me if I'm wrong, Patrick, that when he walked this putt in for birdie on 14, it was over. Over. Yeah. Yeah. It, out, it definitely did. Out out in two under, he makes another birdie at 14. And that, that was the moment that everybody was vibing. It, it looked like it was going to be a speed day. Yeah. And then you followed up with kind of the, the nifty par safe from the bunker, which I mean, he was unbelievable all week on the par three, uh, 15th. And then obviously the one that everyone will remember that he won't be able to sleep at night tonight. Uh, the tee shot on 16, I thought he might've been going for that little life raft in the middle of the pond. there, trying to cut the corner in a little bit, get a forward there. kick. Mm-hmm. maybe uh the mega bounce out there but uh no i guess not it was still an unbelievable bogey let's uh, yeah let, let's we, we need to talk through 16 here so as as patrick mentions i mean this ball is in the middle of the lake no, no chance whatsoever greg it on that angle it, it's basically it, i mean he, he he gets to move up 40 yards and hit the same shot and we get a unreal interaction where Spieth was, I, I mean, he was going to hit nine iron up the fairway no matter what. And Greller kind of tried to say, hey, what do you think about hybrid? Trying to push it up there closer to the green. And then what I heard was Jordan Spieth say, I just got to have a chance. I just got to have a chance to be on in two. He does hit the nine iron to the middle of the fairway. He does Hit, to, hit it to the green to 14 feet, 7 inches, and he does roll in that bogey putt. It was a world-class bogey. Yes. Um, before we get – I mean, I do find it interesting with that tee shot because uh, he had some misses to the right off the tee all day long. I mean, he, he missed to the right at 6 big time. Kyle tweeted that out, a picture of where that ended up. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, he missed way right at 6. He missed right at 7. He missed right at 9. He had a good tee shot on 11, but it ended up missing right. He missed right on 12, missed right on 14, and obviously missed right on 16. That that kind of lead up, I was really worried about this tee shot. Um, and I I don't know. It, it, he just absolutely fanned it. It was, the, it was worse than any of those other misses to the right. Maybe six is a, a close tie. Um, but then he has this conversation with Greller, and 
he was to your point, Rick, he was pleading with him. I just got to be in the fairway. I, I just got to be. I don't like hybrid. I don't like hybrid. I, I just got to be in the fairway. Just tell me where to aim it, uh, which I, I thought was speed. He really took control of that situation. Uh, he was he was confident in it. He he stayed cool. He was going over the facts. He wasn't um, at least it didn't seem like he was kind of living too much on the last shot. He was still in the moment. But then after he hit the fairway, you could hear on the mic, uh, he let out a, it was like an, ah, he was frustrated. I was like, wow, he, he's not happy about that um, for obvious reasons. But then pouring in the putt, you're thinking this could be, this could be magical. There's, there's such a level of insanity, Kyle, with, with, with Jordan Spieth, right? Where he is, you know, just give me a chance, right? This level of, of confidence where if, if I'm anywhere on this green, uh, I'll give myself a chance of making this putt. If I'm anywhere in the fairway, then I can give myself a chance of being on the green. So I don't really care what the options are because if I have a chance, I'm alive here. There, there's something like deeply confident in that as the guy is – taking his drop like 40 yards in front of the tee box. <laughs> there is. I don't, I was thinking about this during the round. I don't know if Greller uh, should become a therapist or, he, or if he needs a therapist, but it's one of the two because dealing with that all day, every day is just, is just a mess. I think, you know, I, I, I was, I was, I, I think I tweeted this out, but like Spieth is so, I think he's I think he appears to be so relatable because he plays golf like people think that they play golf. It's not actually true. He's been like one of the best ball strikers on planet Earth for the last seven years, you know. Um, and even the last two years, his ball striking numbers are better than Brooks Kepka, Cam Smith, Matt Fitzpatrick, Tommy. Fu I mean, like he's a he's a really good player. It's just that the misses always seem like a, a, like a safari. And I, I don't know if that's because the misses are massive or if it's because he there are so many conversations with Growler, but for whatever reason, he just appears to be relatable. So he, he becomes this sort of amalgamation of relatability, but also like elite play. And it's the most compelling thing to watch in golf, I think. I mean, it's not as it's not as alluring as like when Rory or Rom or somebody like that is kind of like feeling it. And it's not as smart, obviously, as what Scotty Scheffler does, but it's so compelling. I mean, it is just like you can't stop watching it. And uh, this was all just the lead into Augusta. Augusta, I mean, people should go read the replies to my tweet of like, what's Spieth going to do at Augusta? Because they're completely insane and all of them are in play. Uh, a bogey on 18, which included a, a miss from three feet, eight inches that cost himself a quarter million dollars, but that does not matter to Jordan Spieth, Patrick. And let's talk about that lead into Augusta national because to T six in Phoenix, he missed the cut at Riviera T four at Bay Hill T 19 at the players. Another close call here at the Valspar. We are trending as we get to the most critical time of the year for Jordan Spieth. He's really got to like where his game's at. I don't know about kind of this change the schedule where I, I assume he's not playing Valero because uh, I would put him at what six straight because he's playing next week as well. Yeah, he can't Which, be. Yeah, Isn't so somebody, that, somebody's is JT skipping next week. Who's skipping? Yeah, yeah, JT's out. 
That's crazy. Um, so I think the volatility, which Spieth, you know, it's kind of inevitable, but it, it's a good thing because you kind of, you're getting glimpses of vintage, vintage uh, Spieth at the API. It was the putter that let him down on the back nine, obviously, but he had that magic on the front nine today. It was that swing on 16. Uh, but the putter for the most part outside of 17, the one he kind of just didn't hit. I, I, I was shocked by the speed of that putt. He like tried to drip it into the front of the hole when, I thought he was going to hit the back of the cup. Um, but you're seeing parts of his game kind of rise up to the occasion uh, in crunch time. While some are faltering, a lot are rising. Uh, I loved how he putted for the most part today. I loved how he struck the ball at the API. His short game at the API was really good as well. Uh, so you got to think, right, with Augusta National, it's kind of his playground. He'll, he'll be in with a chance. But let's remember, this was Adam Shank. This was Taylor Moore. These this, these aren't top 10 players, top 20 players in the world. Uh, so his game's going into the right spot at a, at a place where, you know, he, he's made his hay throughout the years. But there's a lot of other big guys out there who are, are still playing better than him. The, uh, the, other, the other guys – sorry, Kyle. It, it yeah, almost seems with Jordan, like the other guys that he's playing against, don't – it doesn't matter. Jordan more than anybody else, it seems like it's Jordan versus Jordan. Uh, and and for if, sure. if Jordan can play well, he can he can compete with Scotty Scheffler. I mean, he could be the worst guy to play against when he's playing well on the PGA Tour because uh, he has just this flair for doing things that are so unexpected. Um, where with Rory and Rom and Scheffler, you, they do what they do what you expect them to do. And they just do it a lot. And that's why they're hard to beat. Jordan does things you don't expect him to do. And that's why he's hard to beat. But Jordan could also beat himself, uh, and those guys don't seem to do that as often. The the thing I was going to say real quick to wrap this up is fifth straight tournament in which he's gained strokes with his irons, and this was actually one of the – this was the second worst of those, uh, and he, he gained over a stroke around. So it, unless it's like a two-month anomaly – He's he's like locked in with his iron play. He's he's operating at a like top twenty in the world type iron player, which has always been his calling card. The 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 you know twenty five foot putts get all the attention, and they get Azinger really excited. But it's the it's the iron play. It's the you know one eighty shot. It's the two hundred shot that he's so underrated with. Greg, the thing that worries me, both from a statistical standpoint and just from watching it. He looks like he is like trying to save everything off the tee. Like he he's just like he's kind of bouncing around like right after he hits it and and even just his head is moving a lot. I don't know if you noticed anything there, but it, it just does not look it's never looked great, I guess, with Speeth off the tee, but it just seems even more than usual like he he's a little bit lost with knowing where the tee shot's going. Well, I did think that Friday's round it looked very different than what you're describing now. Uh, Friday's round, I felt like there were a lot more quick tee pickups, um, a lot more balance through the strike. He was starting the ball a little more to the left, so he wasn't losing it to the right. It looked like he was in in the positions he wants to be in. Today, he started to get into some what I would consider old habits. He started missing to the right. I mean, you think back to 2016, I know none of us really like to do that, but you go back to that Masters when he hit it to the right at number 12 into into Ray's Creek, 
He Why also are you doing missed, this? He also you don't you don't right. have to do this. No, keep going, Greg. He he missed to the right the entire round leading up to that. Um, the good news is it was with iron play as well. I mean, he 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 hit the tree at number four. He almost hit it out of bounds. <laughs> it, it, um, he he hit it right of the fairway bunker on number eight. He hit it right at eleven. He hit it right all over the place leading up to that. So the good news is at Augusta National you can get away with that much more so than left misses. Um, so I, I mean, and I, the glimpse that I saw on Friday uh, gives me a lot of hope heading into masters. Jordan Spieth will card a final round 70, eight under par, two shots off our champion, which if you are a keen listener, you heard his name there. Patrick broke Patrick broke the seal at the 30 minute 51 second mark. While all this was happening, while all the Adam Shank and Tommy Fleetwood and Jordan Speed madness was happening, it was Taylor Moore who made birdie on nine, birdie on 12 birdie on 15 birdie on 16 played his final 10 holes patrick in four under par to post 10 under and get the opportunity to sit in the clubhouse and see if anyone could catch him spoiler alert they could not man i was, I was really hoping i wouldn't be the first one to <laughs> to touch on taylor Moore, but I, I guess I kind of deserve it after the opening, but he kind of reminds me of a bit of an NPC, you know, a non-playing character. Like this whole wow. time, we all we all thought that Adam Shank or Jordan Spieth was going to win. I had two different leads for the wrap-up at CBSSports.com, and boom, Taylor Moore, all of a sudden, your winner after Shank hits it against the tree, Spieth blows one into the water. But the way he finished, I mean, you got to give him kudos, right? The, the, the birdie or the tee shot on the par 315th, was a laser to five feet and then the 25 footer from uh the left side of of the rough i think he was in the rough on 16 not the trees quite he was um yeah uh to set up birdie there was very impressive and then we saw it with garrick higa they kind of showed it on the broadcast earlier that putt from the front of the green is is not easy uh and he hit it to just inside six feet and dead centered middle of the cut uh so to play your last 10 holes at innisbrook in four under is is really good golf you're golfing your golf ball uh there and he did that and i think he went through some injuries i want to say in his like mid-20s that's why he's only a second year guy on the pga tour who's 29 uh and so it's good for him but he's kind of the the stereotypical middle class lower class type of guy on the pga tour he entered the week 103rd in the official world golf rankings was outside the top 50 in the fedex cup points and now all of a sudden you win he's ahead of rory is that he's ahead of cantley he's ahead of morikawa he's inside the top 10 of the comcast business uh whatever you call it inside the fedex cup so he's really set him up for a really good fun summer right invitation to the masters all this type of stuff so uh that, that's what winning can do yeah, that's right. That is inside the top 10 of the Comcast business, whatever you call it, inside the top 10 of the FedEx Cup standings, his second 67 of the week, Greg. And I, I like what Patrick said there because, you know, we saw the the 
putt that he had to hit up 18, which was kind of swatting balls back all day. It was that moment. There was the moment on 15, the moment on 16, where I was waiting for the wheels to fall off. I was waiting for the mistake to happen. I was waiting for the bogey to come. We saw it with everybody else. It never came. It was it was a pretty impressive stout finish from Taylor Moore. Um, it could have happened twice on 18. I mean, yep. he hit it. He hit the same shot Adam Shank hit off that tee. He very easily could have been completely blocked out or had to pitch out sideways or had to lay up. And he's able to hit a great shot in there that almost gets up on the top level. I mean, it, it, it ends up rolling all the way back down. And, um, you, you know, like Patrick mentioned with Garrett Higo, and this has happened before in the past that uh, you can make a mess from short of that green with that back hole location. So, um, it, it was very impressive, very clutch. The the nerves on the greens. He looked so calm, even after he won. He was so calm. I mean, right, asking his fiance if she's happy. It, it was very, uh, <laughs> very. I guess calm I didn't. I didn't. I didn't see that part. Was it like? Was it like? Uh, was it like passive aggressive? Like finally happy? <laughs> no, no, you no, happy no, now? No. I finally won. You happy? Does this no. make you happy? It, <laughs> is not, that what you wanted? Not a Glover situation. <laughs> uh, no, not at all. It okay. was very sweet, um, but it was very calm. It wasn't like a guy that just won his first time on the PGA Tour. That he was far from tears, uh, you know, and, and that's not always the case. But he has a sweet golf swing too, and and so there's one side of me that's saying, okay, uh, he's never been here before. It's only his what 46 start on the PGA Tour. Yep. I'm thinking, yeah, there's probably going to be a mistake. We've seen great players make mistakes on the final nine holes at Ennisbrook many times. And Taylor Moore is likely going to make one of those. And if he came close to it, he didn't. But then on the other side of that, I'm thinking this guy has a sweet golf swing. He is uh, a lot better than his numbers look. And he showed that last year. I mean, he made it to the BMW championship last year as a rookie. So he's, he's no joke. Um, he just, he didn't really fit into this picture for most of the day. And all of a sudden it's not Spieth winning. It's not Fleetwood winning. It's, it's not Adam Shank winning. It's Taylor Moore, which kind of comes out of nowhere. Taylor what do you, Moore. Go ahead, go where ahead. do you have him ranked Rick? In, just oh, in your boy, I'd have to pull it up. Give me a second. Okay. You can pull it up while I'm talking. Oh, you want me to talk right now? Yeah, uh, that would be ideal, right? Taylor, Taylor, <laughs> Taylor Moore. He was, uh, I think, fifty second in Data Golf, uh, a lot lower than that in the OWGR. But I think what that gets at is like he's, and this is what Greg was saying: is he's he's a good ball striker. He just he's sort of in that weird middle space between, like, if you look at his his performance on the Corn Ferry, he kind of he kind of dominates like he's really good he was really good to uh three years ago on the corn ferry and he's been like he's had some kind of he'll, he'll pop up at certain events or have some good performances but he's not in that he's like a tier four player a tier three player however you want to break it up he's just not in that he's sort of where shank is in terms of like a little bit on the okay am i gonna be in that top 50 going into 2024 am i gonna be able to be in those elevated events he's that kind of player which is obviously a really good player but 
you know, can you, and that's why that's what I think that's part of the reason, right. That these events are sort of interesting is like, can you, can those guys play their way into some of the elevated designated, whatever events going forward? That's obviously not the formula for this year, but that's a, that if this was 2024, that would be a, a kind of a preeminent storyline. Correct. Right. So, so I have, I have Taylor Moore 66th, by the way. So close-ish on, yeah. what'd, you, what'd you say? 50, 50 52 seconds? or I don't know, something like that. Yeah. So, um, right. So, so really, it, you know, it, for next year, Patrick, if this was, let's say the first event of three non-elevated events, uh, Taylor Moore would obviously all, all good. He won no, no problem there, but like Adam Shank would now be in the driver's seat. You know, Tommy Fleetwood, if he weren't already qualified, or like Wyndham Clark or Matt Wallace or Cody Gribble or Eric Van Royen would now be trying to build this momentum for the next couple of starts so that they could get into these elevated events. Correct. Yeah, Cody Gribble. Do you guys talk about him? That would have no, been, no, been a cool story there. Uh, but yeah, it, it kind of just makes these guys' palms a little bit sweater down the stretch knowing that, okay, if I connect with a top five finish here, maybe parlay that into another one next week. That could be enough to have the third most FedEx Cup points. So I'm, I'm guessing it's top three outside the three winners is how it's going to be. Probably outside the uh, probably top three outside of anyone who's already qualified and the winners would already be qualified. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so it, it really does make – I mean, just imagine if – I mean, he, he is qualified, but if Jordan Spieth wasn't qualified and he misses that putt like that on uh, the 72nd hole like that. Those kind of moments uh, will have a whole, whole new meaning next year with uh, kind of the cadence of the schedule and playing into these designated events. Taylor Moore, 2023 Valspar champion, first win in his 46 PGA tour start. Congratulations. He lists his three favorite professional sports teams as the Oklahoma city thunder. He's from, he's from Edmond. Yes, Oklahoma, he to, basically Oklahoma City, uh, and he went to the University of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Oklahoma City Thunder, the Dallas Cowboys. So Kyle, that's that's fair, right? Because that would be I, the closest. That would be like the closest professional football team to him. Most people that are from Oklahoma City, their favorite basketball team is the Thunder, and their favorite football team is the Cowboys. Okay, so I'm on board so far. The third team. Let me guess. I haven't seen this. You could. Uh, you can guess, but Ooh. you could not possibly guess the answer to this. Is it a is it an American team? Well, okay, I, I've just been stumped in guess who. Like this is like a great question to ask and guess who because I have to say no. Okay, I'll say the Tottenham Soccer Club. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go with the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Ooh, okay, Greg. Blue Jays. Oh, I, I had that one in my mind, but that's just because Patrick said Toronto. Uh, I will go with the. Um, I will go with the Seattle Kraken. Go. <laughs> not an all, American Seattle, team. American. Seattle is an oh, American. Not American. I. You know what? I. I. I missed that part. This is like when you said, uh, "Well, who do you guess was on the Ryder Cup team?" Steve Pate. I don't know. No, Steve Jones. Who was no, it? Somebody like that. Steve Flesh. No, Steve Flesh. Uh, Steve Flesh. Yeah, yeah. No, it was Steve Flesh. Yeah, it was. The Toronto yeah. Blue Jays is the answer. So oh. his favorite pro sports teams, Oklahoma City Thunder, Dallas Cowboys, Toronto Blue Jays, like any good <laughs> Oklahoma City kid would. Sure. Yeah. Big Vlad, Vlad Jr. guy. Yeah. What is? How, what could that possibly be? Like he went to Toronto on a 
field trip when he was 11 and fell in love with the like i don't need how, how could that happen uh, maybe the blue jay is just his favorite bird there you go yeah i, th- I-, I like joe that carter angle, yeah joe carter I love blue jays you never know how kids come up with their favorite teams. It's a it can be a bizarre thing. Yeah, then, I mean, like and then they love them for the rest. Like whatever whatever bizarre thing your child brain came up with, that's now the next like seventy years for you. Yeah, yeah. My kids, my kids love the Vikings and the Bengals because Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase do do the gritty. Right. And they're going to like my kids will like the Bengals when they're thirty three and not remember why. Right. Well, hopefully you can remind them so they have to tell people. Uh, yeah, because I'll be, Jamar Chase did the best gritty of anybody I've ever seen. Yeah, Jamar Chase is going to be like 55 years old doing the gritty, and they're like, that's why I love the Bengals. Doing the gritty at the at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. <laughs> Somebody in the chat said people in Toronto don't even care about the Blue Jays. <laughs> did you see that home run yesterday, by the way, Rick? By Trey Turner? Yeah. Newest, newest Philadelphia Philly. Yes, uh, that's pretty dirty, man. Dude, the World Baseball Classic is sick. Yeah, it, I love, I love the discourse on it too. Yeah, it's a little live adjacent, right? The discourse. Very. very. Uh, there's a lot of pro and anti. It, it's yeah. just funny to watch. Is it? Has it gotten just mega political, like like live has, or no? Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I've, I've seen some people calling other people clowns. Here and there, some big J's, a lot of blue check marks going at it, uh, especially with the injuries. I, I think Altuve just got hurt. Oh, so, oh really? I didn't, I didn't see that. Yeah, and then the Mets. So it's guy probably too. more that than political, right? I saw. I saw I the. Mean, why are they? Why are these guys playing before the season? Kind of thing. Well, much, like yeah. I mean, that can be, it, Greg. Like, if we've learned anything from the internet, it's that anything can be political. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you're right, and everything on there is true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <it is. laughs> Anything else, Valspar, before we recap our best bets uh, and one and done? I think there will be some more Valspar that comes up in those. Because there were some crazy things that happened in our in our bets. Yeah, there, there really was. Uh, okay, well, let's, let's get to it. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. Hit Paramount Plus original docuseries returns. The last time I saw Max, he looked at us laughing, and then everything changed in a blink of an eye. My feeling as a detective is that he was murdered. Yahoo Entertainment calls it a spine-chilling docuseries, showcasing real-life tragedies. What if it was your child who went missing? We need to know the truth. Never seen again. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Should I tell my kids that me and Jamar Chase are in a commercial together? You look good there. Thank you. Uh, I'm pretty sure. So it's not a commercial, but they're running a promo during March Madness that just comes across the bottom. And I'm pretty sure you're in that one too. Wait, uh, across the bottom of like the... Like the basketball games. 
What so like it's, about- it's like a lower oh, on the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And it just plays through. I'm pretty sure I saw you in that one too. Great. Maybe my kids saw it. They're in there watching it right now. So all right. Well they, that's that's the only thing they're proud of me for. So being being on the being on the 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 one second commercial. They're like, Dad, you you're you're in the Netflix show. You're famous now. I'm like this is <laughs> this is like literally what I do all day, every day. And, but if you're if you're on a screen, you're famous. So whatever. Yeah. I told you my mom thinks I'm on TV every single night, right? She's like, <laughs> she's like, Rick, I saw you on TV. I'm like, no, you watch me on YouTube on you your TV. You saw me on a TV. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but thank you. All right. Let's talk some best bets. These were – well, first of all, let's just start with the outrights. We were smothered in Jordan Spieth outrights. Mark, Greg, myself. Greg, um, would have been nice to hit this one. We – we did not No, And it all comes down to a tee shot at number 16, which was really disappointing. Um, but you know what? There is no way that you could say we should have had Taylor Moore in here. So it is what it is. We lose this one. Um, but a couple close calls, you see Tommy Fleetwood's name on there a couple times, um, which is great. So yeah, tough pill to swallow without the speed win. Yeah, I'll just kick it right to you, right, right back there. You had Tommy Fleetwood top twenty plus one twenty five. That's uh, nice. that was pretty much no sweat. He was inside yeah. the top twenty all week. Yeah, he he played great again. I just I thought it was a great fit for him. Um, not in my outrights because exactly what happened is what I was worried would happen. He would just find a way to not win. Uh, but everything kind of lined up really nice for Tommy this week, and this was a a really nice performance from him. I just think he leaves kind of heartbroken and broke anybody who had him in an outrights hard as well. Uh, we got three out of the four matchups. Correct. I had Tommy Fleetwood over Brian Harmon. Greg had Davis Riley over Brian Harmon. We, we picked on Brian Harmon. Mark had Benny on over Johnny Vegas. Those were three winners. KP. Uh, I, I don't want to bring up your loser here. Justin Thomas over Jordan Spieth, but I do want to check in on like, what is our temperature on Justin Thomas at this point? Yeah, I'm not really taking any questions at this time about my picks here. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, listen, JT hit it better than Spieth did this week. So make of that what you will. I think I, – I don't know what the putting issue is. Um, I, I don't know. Has he? Did, have we seen him talk about that, Patrick? Uh, I have not, no. He, he is not – He's. I mean, he putted it – horribly at the players last week wasn't great this week it was better but to me it's a it's a putting thing i mean he was top what do you finish t10 t11 something like that yeah he actually right i mean yeah t10 i mean it's it's great but it feels so far off from what you would want to see out of him i think he's i think he's a little bit in that space where if he starts contending and like maybe he wins let's say match play or well i guess he can't win match play i guess uh, let's say he wins rbc heritage and you kind of look back and you're like oh yeah jt's been playing pretty pretty decently i guess he's been hitting the ball decently you know um but because it's jt anything that's not a top five feels bad you know and i i I think that's kind of i say that uh off the top of my head he was top five in phoenix Top 10 here. I think those are his two best of the last two months. So it hasn't been as consistently great as you would expect from JT. And I 
I don't feel great about him going into the Masters. Like, I'm not going to pick him to win Augusta, but I don't think he's playing as bad as it maybe feels like he is. Okay, fair enough. The other, I, I will say on this putting, he's using that. Um, he's he's using the putter. It's called a gooseneck. It's the putter he used to win, like most of his career. He's used this putter most of his career. Last year, when he won the PGA, he switched to one with a, a different neck, which is what's called a plumber's neck. And that is designed to help him miss putts to the right uh, to stop that. And I saw him hit well, probably 12 putts this week, and everyone missed to the right. So we're back into that space. That's real, right? That, yeah, that, exactly. That's what he does. But he's won a lot of tournaments doing that, you know, in that same pattern. So it's not the end of the world. It's just that that's what's happening right now. He's missing putts to the right. I'm I'm pretty concerned about him in general. I know Kyle brought up those two starts, but those are kind of his two best dating back to last summer too. Uh, so maybe he's slowly getting there. But so like I said last time, I, I just think he might be starting to put too much pressure on his iron play because he's not making a lot of putts. And then you see it with the around the green numbers have been unbelievable. But I, I, I don't know what to think of Justin Thomas, but it's not very highly at the moment. Well, this is what we talked about on Thursday, Rick, where Patrick uh, Spieth was talking about this on Thursday of like, hey, when I'm putting it well, I don't feel like I have to hit every iron shot to 10 feet. He didn't say mm-hmm. 10 feet, but that's sort of what he was like the implication there and you know we talked last week after the players about how jt knows he has all these shots and i think sometimes he either wants to show you that he has them or he feels like he has to hit them because he because the putting is not maybe like he's not as confident with his putter as maybe he would like and so i think i think it's a really good point and i i do wonder how much of his relative struggles are due to like putting pressure in other areas of his game because he's not putting it that well. I'm not, I'm not as concerned about his game and the stats and all that stuff. I am a little bit more concerned about, he looks very frustrated on the greens. I mean, every putt he misses is very animated is it's a lot. Mark and I talked about this a little bit earlier in the week, just a lot of energy being put there. He looks, he looks very frustrated, which, which I, I, I don't like, but the rest the, the actual statistical side of it and, and the way he's playing, I'm not super concerned about, but man, you can tell it's eating him up. So one other thing on JT, I think um lengthening hole number 13 at Augusta national. I don't think there's any player in the field at the masters who benefits more from that than Justin Thomas. Yep. Um. So I, I just, this is in my head looking at some pictures of, of Augusta National the other day. I'm like, Jay, this is going to simplify things for him on this hole that has been his nemesis. So maybe that, that frustration and fire with a couple of weeks off can come back in the form of motivation and determination. Maybe it ends up being a good sign. I, I also saw something uh, in the comments after last week's episode. You know, him and Bones only have one win together which was the PGA championship where he had to come back from seven strokes, needed a lot of things to break his way. And do you think Bones's prior experience with someone like Phil, who had also hit some out of this world shots almost hinders his ability with JT to, you know, maybe in, talk it off it, talk him off certain spots or 
whatever it may be. Like you, in what? What do you mean? Like he, he just does. Like JT's like, all right, I'm gonna hit this butterfly fade thirty yards. <laughs> they and always he, have the craziest names. Too. Is that a is that a is that a formal name or what? I have no idea. <laughs> I meant butter, and then I was thinking about butterfly with sore feet. There, it, it, it all just congealed into one. Uh, I like it, but. When it first started, everyone's like, oh, Bones and JT, they're going to win a thousand times together. And it's only been one win. And it's it's pretty shocking, I think. And yeah, think about you, think about Ted Scott and Scotty Scheffler, who yeah. switched at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I wonder if Bones' experience with Phil, I'm, I'm not saying it is, I'm totally projecting and just putting it out into the ether, uh, almost like hurts JT. You know, he doesn't really have a stern guy talking him off the ledge sometimes or he doesn't have the short or he doesn't have the putter to make up for his, the you know the decision making i i yeah. think could be could be some of it as well where else are you gonna get butterfly fade and plumber's neck can't get it anywhere what else? other podcast can't get it anywhere. we should rename this podcast the plumber's neck <laughs> <laughs> that's segment. actually not bad considering every every other ni- possible golf term is already a, a golf podcast plumber's neck i believe is available so that that would actually be well i'll, we'll have sure. to double check to get some plumbers Name. in here too in the audience Na- naming things is like i remember when we were trying to name this podcast and it was like every name is stupid yeah like everything sounds and, and that's just i think that's just how things go like you hear the the washington commanders you're like oh that's dumb but then yeah. five years from now you'd be like oh yeah the commanders are nine and Nine and eight. Yeah, it just becomes part of the conversation and everybody forgets about it and moves on. Yeah. One and done. Yes, let's recap the one and done. We had some decent movement here this week, so we'll pull up the board and we'll reveal the update, hopefully. Yes, here we go. Okay, so, Greg, unfortunately, we're going to start with you. Now, it's not super unfortunate because you had Tommy Fleetwood and he got you $447,000, which – ties for winning the week but you still remain at 3.8 million eight hundred thousand dollars behind patrick yeah it's uh i was thinking about it the other day i think um i think josh pulled it up on saturday during our podcast we were talking about something else and i I was if tommy fleetwood wins i might catch patrick I might it is just unbelievable to me i i uh i've got to start doing things next week Big time. I, I need some big paydays. And I start think doing, like, what kind of things are you going to start doing? Like big picking things. winners of designated <laughs> events. <laughs> that would be good to start. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of, you know, I I had, I was in like, I think in Sia's position and I had Max Homa at the players. He came in tied sixth, I think. Um, and I had Tommy Fleetwood this week who comes in tied third and I fall from like fourth to last, which is just, so the picks have been good. I just, I need to do it in the right events and I need to win given a yeah, million dollars behind. Yeah. That that's the problem. If you average t- you know what you're averaging right now, you're going to win the year, but the problem is you're, you're six mil behind. Yeah. Well, that's a big pro. That's a big problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Now, Patrick, you're up next. Now, for those uh, checking in and wondering what happened here, so Patrick picked uh, Keegan Bradley on Tuesday's show. Keegan Bradley withdrew on Wednesday, and uh, Patrick was able to uh, replace him as has been standard in the rules for the entire for generations. Yes, of this podcast. So no, no foul play here. No need for an asterisk. Patrick, you got yourself. Sam Burns, which ended up being a pretty nice little backdoor couple hundred grand here. The full amount is two hundred ninety-three thousand six twenty-five to move you to four point six million. Pretty nice indeed. Uh, a little bit unfortunate that Keegan withdrew because we all knew he was going to win this tournament. But I will gladly take a six. Uh, sixth place finish from Sammy Burns and Greg I'm in the same position and this this time of year it's going to get weird I don't know how to attack the match play it's been a thorn in my side many many years so I don't know if it's going to get much it might get a little bit worse before it gets better for me personally maybe I'll be in the basement uh, after next week but after that once major season rolls around we'll get things going 4.6 4.6 million for Patrick Kyle 5.3 Kyle you will have to speak for the fans, you'll have to speak for Mark Immelman, and you'll have to speak for yourself because all three of you had Adam Hadwin, who failed to make the cut and in turn earned zero dollars. I regret nothing. I'm still not taking questions at this time. Uh, yeah, he did. I mean, not great. It, it, he, he was, I, I think the thing that's frustrating is he's playing well. He plays good at this golf course. He's driving it well coming in, and then he just misses the cut. He played well on Thursday. He was two under. He was like in 12th yeah. place. It was it was happening. Everything was I, happening. I looked it up on – I was off on Friday. I had the day off on Friday. I looked it up, and I just kept – I was looking for the Canadian flag, and I just had I just kept scrolling. And I finally saw one, and it was it was Nick Taylor. And I was like, what what happened? I think he shot, what, 75 or 76 on Friday? 76. What happened? <laughs> what he happened? Not, he did a walk and talk on Friday. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe shouldn't do that next time. <laughs> he made a he now, made a birdie on that hole. Those are great. He I made, love those. He made a birdie on that hole. Unfortunately, he made a triple out of the gate on number two, which kind of derailed the whole thing. He was four over through four, so yeah, th- things weren't great to start for Adam Hadwin. Um, let's see where do we go next here. Sia had Tommy Fleetwood six point three million. Kyle M, pretty. St- Pretty stud pick here for Kyle M, who's been quietly matriculating up the leaderboard, Patrick. Now, Kyle M took Wyndham Clark and got 332000 He is solidly in third at $6.9 million. That's a huge value play there. Uh, probably one of the better ones of the year. Second to Greg's Justin Rose pick. At it's Beach. A, it, it, yeah, no kidding. The, the Wyndham Clark is a really good pick. He, he, he was, he's been playing well. Yeah. Kyle M. I want to see what kind of run he's on here because he started off slow. He was he only had 288,000 through his first five picks. And in his six cents, six cents, six point six million, averaging one point one million a week for the last six weeks. He's given us the blueprint, Greg. Yeah, that it's uh it's doable. It's there. I wanted to just bring up one thing. We talked about this last night, Rick with Wyndham Clark, his best. Yeah. So he did it again. His best four iron play weeks have come in the last five weeks. Um, And this is now, I think this is his second best of his career. 
Um, and so now he's got his best five in the last six weeks. He's got something really grooving uh, with the with the iron play. He found it. I had Tommy Fleetwood. Mark had Adam Hadwin. So I did make up a little bit of ground. Four hundred thousand dollars on Mark. I'm at eight point three. Mark is at nine point nine. There is a lot of money on the line next week at the match play. We will be going every single day: Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That is what every single day means. So stay tuned for that. We'll be doing our day by day recaps, round robin for the first three days, then the elimination stages. We'll talk through all the implications and all the craziness that will be going on before i sign us off gentlemen anything else for this week or would you like to chat about anything on next week um we we should do a bracket bracket challenge of sorts for the match play okay so we have a couple of options here so i don't know if you know this patrick uh you and i haven't we have still have time to get closer uh but i am currently uh, so last year, Rick Rungood, my alter ego, uh, hosted the largest private bracket challenge on PGATour.com's website. All the Rick Rungood people got together, and we, we had the largest bracket challenge. So you guys are obviously more than welcome to join that. Or what we could also do is a little first cut one, have a little password, let people get into that, and do it that way. Okay. Um, first off, thank you for the invitation. You're welcome. We are extremely grateful for it. Uh, I'm down yeah. to do either. But this is like getting your get- this is it's like getting your master's invite in the mail. <laughs> the Rick oh, good dot com. Oh. Yeah. It, it honestly kind of felt like you run into like your neighbors at the grocery store and you see them picking up beer or wine and they're like, "Oh, you're you're having people over? <laughs> I guess you can come over too." <laughs> <laughs> but or the master's invitation. The All other. the same. Yeah. So we will, but we'll, we'll we'll get a bracket we'll get a bracket thing set up because uh, the the PGA Tours fantasy website has has it in there. You can get your picks in. I believe Monday morning they're going to draw the groups, which will be fun, and we'll have the bracket figure. They did it on um they've done it on PGA Tour Live previously. I hope they're gonna I hope they're gonna air it again. Yeah, that's a good it's a good watch. I remember that. I think didn't Coach do it last year? It's the coach. The coach does yeah. everything. <laughs> Yeah, I think he did it. It's pretty good. Yeah, the, co- the coach, <laughs> the coach pulling out little ping pong balls, saying, "And now Jordan Spieth's going to battle Matt Wallace." <laughs> the pick is in. I still think they should let players choose. <laughs> that would be sick. Not, not like, like actually say names. Like I want Taylor Moore. Oh man! And let the live boys in. <laughs> They're not in, are they? No. I wish they were. I know. No. It would be. It would be be fantastic. It would be awesome. That would be sick. Especially especially if the finals came down to like Rory versus Dustin Johnson, Cam Smith. Yeah. Well. I will. Yeah. Best player of all time. I think. I I was. Somebody said this in the chat. I'm real Patrick and I were talking about this today actually too. I'm fascinated to see if they let any of the live guys do a uh was it you and I that were talking about this, Patrick? Yeah, Phil. If they let any live guys do a press conference at Augusta. It it would it would only be what Phil and DJ maybe 
Reed. They're, they're, they're not going to let him, right? No, they wouldn't let. They wouldn't have him to a presser. Um, I don't think they will, but I think they should. I think they should too. I think it would be. Uh, I yeah, it would. <laughs> I mean, that's a selfish request because for us, it would be content for like years. Just anything that's said in that specific environment, especially from somebody like Phil, is going to be mega news. But. I think it would be really kind of interesting as well. And there would be great questions. It, it would be fascinating to see how Phil would navigate that. Yeah, especially after not playing last year, too. I feel like you got to throw Phil up there. Well, they could at least offer. I mean, Phil could just say, no, I'm not going to do it. And I think he, uh, Phil, he would have a hard time saying no to something like that. I think he would, too. I think he would be like, okay, I could do this. He's his own PR guy. He's his own crisis management squad. He's his own everything. And he did one at the U.S. Open when everything was still super fresh. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was that was so weird too. That was the weirdest press conference of last year. And I think in some ways, Augusta rolling him out there would be a little bit like, um, okay, we'll give you enough rope here, you know, right. to, to <laughs> do, do, do it to yourself, do what you will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so it wouldn't it wouldn't be like a they're not throwing him a bone. I mean, it would be. It would be it would be wild. I'm I am. I mean, are they going to have Cam Smith do a presser, the reigning Open champion, somebody who's finished in the top ten in like three of the last four that, Masters? Okay. That's the thing. Like, he would normally have a spot. Like, you could argue. Obviously, Phil's a past champion, very popular. But what like Cam Smith would obviously be on the schedule coming back to Augusta National. So yeah, offer him an invite. I'm not saying yeah. roll Patrick Reed out there because I want to hear what he has to say. Uh, like, you know what I mean? I just. Yeah, I just don't think the I don't think Augusta National wants they want the Masters to be about the Masters, right? And so anything although they give they give Tiger pressers after like some of his like craziness, right? Yeah. So it's not unprecedented. Not that that's it's not the same thing, but it's the same concept of like the Masters wants the Masters to be about the Masters, and rightfully so, but we've seen instances in the past where they've given guys press conferences that it was, you knew it was not going to be about the masters. So there is precedent there. We're only like 21 days away or something, I know. something outrageous. Okay. Anything else, gents? Uh, do we know who won the team live for, for our, oh, our was, it my, was it my high flyers? When I checked in early, they were winning. When Here you checked go. in earlier, I forgot what team I had. So Here we go. The, the team standing. Who won the actual? They were in a playoff. Danny, Danny Lee. Lee. Danny Lee wins a four-way playoff against Carlos Ortiz, Brendan Steele, Louis Oosthuizen. The team Oost-Hazen. scores. Congratulations to the Fireballs, who I don't think any of us have. No. Second was the Four Aces. I don't think any of us have them, right? Mm-mm. Ironheads, still nobody. No. Stinger GC. I think we gave them to Mark. Oh, because he's the, the South African boys. Yeah. So Greg, if you want one, just claim one. Mark, <laughs> I would take the fireballs, Greg. Because I you... uh, uh, yeah okay fireballs. Congratulations, Greg. The Good fireballs are in the books. Ripper GC finished fifth. That's you, Patrick. Uh, who's the who's who's the most likely to wear their live gear at Augusta? Patrick Reed. Come on. Yeah. 
don't, right, he's, don't he's, they he's, like, have to? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think DJ is a good litmus test because DJ kind of does what he wants, right? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it was talked about as being part of their, you know, in their contracts. Yeah, that's kind of been. That's kind of. I don't know. I've seen both. I've seen it both ways. I feel like DJ's contract's a lot different than Patrick Reed's contract is. <laughs> I would hope so. That's just my opinion. The high flyers, KP, finished sixth for you. Okay. Torque in seventh, the range goats in eighth. My crushers did not have a very good week. They finished ninth. Smash GC in 10th. The cliques, tough time to be a cliques fan. 11th. And Majestics, you know, I think I saw somebody on Twitter say this. Uh, you got to start cons- reconsidering the three captain thing if you're going to finish 12th. They need s- one guy to rally around. This is not good for team golf. Yeah. yeah. If you got two quarterbacks, you got none. You got three captains, you got none. Yeah, the magic sticks are struggling. That's right. They are. Match play next week. Love the match play. We will talk about its future, and I will debate the merits of a match play major, but that will come next week. I'm going down there. Should be fun. Ooh, all week? Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday. So pressers and then first, uh, first part of the event on Wednesday. So that, that's always, a, I think, the most... I don't know if it's the most exciting. It's like the, I think it's the most anticipation you get to see like, you know, who's playing who and it's, it's kind of fun to be, to be out there. So I'm, I'm pumped about it. Boots on the ground. We'll have boots on the ground. You're going to, I'm going to book a flight. You're going to make me just want to get down. (laughs) Boots on the ground. Kyle Porter coming to you from Austin country club. All right. Big thanks. Producer Josh is all the hard work behind the scenes. Patrick McDonald. Find him on Twitter at Amateur Status. Greg Ducharme at The Real GFD. Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut. We'll catch you next time. Explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.